Ric Flair, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Von Erichs, all wrestling stars that appeared at an old Dallas venue called the Sportatorium. I miss it terribly. It, it was just fun. People came and had a good time. Of course, again, sometimes I would torture them by having the good guy get mistreated, but that's all part of how it worked. And I met so many good people, and I just thoroughly enjoyed the creativity so much I, I still miss it terribly to this very day. But it was more than just a wrestling venue. Elvis Presley used to play there with the Louisiana Hayride, or no, the Big D Jamboree. They had a country western show there, and Willie Nelson loved the Sportatorium. There was a time where he would only play the Sportatorium. It's just, it's just something else. It even hosted an infamous Beastie Boys concert in 1992. But this month, ahead of the release of the movie Iron Claw, which is about the Von Erich family and its story in and out of the ring, Texas Wants to Know takes a look at the iconic Dallas venue where the Von Erichs got their start, the Sportatorium. What is your earliest memory of the Sportatorium? Well, it was back in 1971 or 72. I was a student at Baylor University, law school at the time. And as a lark, I got with some friends. We were all going to come up to Dallas to go see the wrestling at the Sportatorium. Gray Pearson is an attorney in Arlington. He ran the wrestling operation at the Sportatorium from 1992 to 1994. And what's interesting is, when I got there, it looked so foreboding and dangerous that we didn't go in. We were scared to go in that place. It looked, looked so dangerous. And I would never have believed the dream that years later, I'd be the one that would have the keys to that building. I ended up loving the building. I'm so sorry it's gone. The building was there long before Pearson's first visit, though. It was built in 1934 at the corner of Industrial Boulevard and Cadiz Street on the south side of downtown Dallas. Industrial is now Riverfront. But it started off as an octagon. I think back in the 1930s, then it was built as an octagon with a tall central dome or tower, if you will. And the reason for that dome is the same reason for the domes on like government buildings like the Texas Capitol. It has to do with keeping people cool. Hot air goes up, and if you funnel it in something like a dome or a central tower, that will get hot and it will pull, pull other air up, and then you can open windows and it will pull it in. In 1953, it was burned down, and they think it was arson, some competitor or something. And it was then rebuilt on the foundation of the octagon, but they built it as sort of a square rectangular building at that time. It was damaged in a fire in 1953, rumored to be started by a rival promoter, according to Pearson, but was quickly rebuilt. It hosted the country music show The Big D Jamboree for nearly two decades, and in the mid-1960s was purchased by Jack Adkinson, known in the ring as Fritz von Erich. My dad would go to the office on Monday and Tuesday, and when we were little boys, we'd go with him. And so we'd play in the ring, you know, and we'd get in there and just wrestle each other and uh, crack each other up, you know, trip over the ropes and bump our heads and just be goofy, you know, but great time, times down there. That's the voice of Kevin Von Erich, one of five of Fritz's sons to become a professional wrestler. They've been there so long. You know, just the fact that Willie Nelson and uh, and so many stars like Elvis and George Jones and all these, Hank Williams and all, I just think that's what did it. There are buildings down in Mexico City that they, they use a bullfighting arena, La Pista. We used to wrestle there, and the crowd is like 
you're like on a funnel and they're just right on top of you. And I think the sportatorium kind of had that feel to it. And it was just a beautiful time when I look back and think of it. The Von Erichs wrestled for world-class championship wrestling, which operated in Dallas until 1990. It was a regional enterprise, but its matches were televised under the banner of Texas Championship Wrestling. It drew attention from around the world. June of 1992, right? George H.W. Bush was president, and he was running for election, and he, of course, got the nomination. The Republican National Convention was in Houston, and he had invited some friends from Saudi Arabia to come to the convention. Well, to my great surprise, we were contacted by the Secret Service, who was guarding these people, that they wanted to come see the Sportatorium and watch our wrestling before they went down to Houston. So on one Friday evening, a huge, we had all sorts of black SUVs show up with all these people. I guess there may be 50 or 60 of them. And they came in and watched the show for about an hour or so, then departed. But it was very interesting. The Secret Service was all there protecting them. I was frankly both perplexed and flattered at the same time. Even one of my bosses at KRLD, Gavin Spittle, says on his first trip to Dallas, it's the one place he wanted to go see. He picks me up in this red, beautiful Corvette, and he had a real thick accent, and he's like, buddy, where would you like to see I'll take you anywhere? And I mean, my bags were still in his trunk, and I said, Lee, take me to the sportatorium and he's like buddy that was torn down a few years ago and i was heartbroken i that that was the arena that i wanted to see that was my childhood memory was the sportatorium still to this day on youtube i will watch matches of iceman king parsons the von erics versus the Freebirds, which i think I'm not even going to say wrestling rivalry. That's one of the best sports rivalries of all time. I mean, you talk about capturing emotion. The Freebirds were the ultimate heels. So, yes, I never got to see the Sportatorium, and that was a regret. Uh, but, you know, proud to uh, proud to live here in Dallas-Fort Worth. And from what people have told me, when the Von Erichs walked down the street— Compared to the Cowboys walking down the street, the Von Erichs would have a bigger crowd. And that, to me, you know, says it all. So I wish I could go back in time and just catch one week of wrestling at the Sportatorium. What about it do you think, you know, the visitors from Saudi Arabia, my boss wanted to come see it when he first got to Dallas. What about it do you think captured that imagination for people that they were still drawn to it that many years later? If you look at the movies from the 30s and 40s, they would show wrestling rings and boxing rings where it was the center of the room and the room rose around it, which meant that it's like surrounded by bleachers or by, by the stands that went up. And it was like in a well. And they're seeing people where they'd bring the mic down and the announcer would make the announcement, in this corner we have, and so and so. The Sportatorium had that vibe, but it had this magnificent history one of the people who performed there before he ever was a star was a young Elvis Presley. And, of course, there was the big D jamboree with all sorts of people. On TV, it looked absolutely amazing. And the way that they described it was it was so historic. And, you know, I mean, it just it was one of those things that had captured my childhood in multiple ways with these larger than life characters. And it wasn't just me, by the way. I was watching a documentary the other day on Shawn Michaels and he grew up on 
uh, wrestling at the Sportatorium, you know, watching every week. So, like, so many wrestlers came to be based on them watching Texas Championship Wrestling. So it affected all of us in different ways. If the Sportatorium holds a special place in the hearts of many fans, there's also tragedy associated with it. While the Von Erichs helped lift wrestling in North Texas to new heights, they also dealt with unconscionable loss. Of the five Von Erich brothers who wrestled, only Kevin is still alive. Three, Mike, Chris, and Carrie died by suicide, and David died of acute enteritis of the upper intestine. There was a time when I had fans because I was a good wrestler, but I think after the tragedies and people would see me as as a friend, as a neighbor now, somebody that had gone through these terrible things, but I had to keep going. I had to just do my best and make it happen. Even though I'd, everything in me wanted to lay down and die, you just can't do that. And I think a lot of people in Texas feel like that. When you're, you know, I'm not the only guy that suffered. A lot of people have had terrible things happen to them. And we're all alike in that way. You know, we have to get off the ground and we have to start, we have to fight out of it. And that's life. Life is hard. You think that made you more relatable to your fans? Yeah, I think so. I sure do. We prayed, you know, we're Christians and we prayed before every shoot. It was blessed. Our, our fans were just part of the show, you know. It was a real, a real love for, for our fans. We really did appreciate them. And, and I don't think I've seen that anywhere else, that such a loyal fan base. When Pearson began to run the wrestling operation in the early 1990s, he says attendance had started to drop at the Sportatorium. I went to one of the shows. They had an audience consisted of 32 people. It was it had really, really gone down. And it, the show was terribly boring, in my opinion. Wrestling is very cyclical. Unfortunately, it was on a down cycle during the time that I was there. But nevertheless, I was able, at one point, we had like 3,800 people in there. And I was proud of my, of my accomplishment. Did you continue to practice law while you were running the sportatorium? Amazingly, I did. Looking back, I don't know how I did it, because we had three real employees, or, or two and a half, including me. That was it. And we were uh, televising, and we actually were beating the WWE, which was then called WWF, in some markets. And I was told repeatedly, have you seen this on WWF? They're, they're copying you. Which, no, I didn't see it, but I was certainly flattered by it. Can you kind of walk me through how wrestling went from a mostly regional enterprise to the national WWE, WWF that we started to see in the early to mid-90s into where it is now? Yes, um, that was done by Vince McMahon of WWF slash WWE fame. And he came up with that idea that they could make it a national thing as opposed to the territories that existed before. According to Fritz von Erich, Vince talked to Fritz about coming into it, and Fritz didn't like the idea and did not do it. And I'm sure Fritz regretted that much later on. Fritz also was, uh, they were asked about doing action figures of Kevin and Kerry and the Von Erichs, and Fritz turned that down as well because he thought that that would be sissy, could make them into, into dolls, which, of course, that also was a big source of revenue that was missed. 
On an episode of WWE's Monday Night Raw in Dallas in October 2005, Kevin Von Erich was recognized on national TV. He even climbed into the ring and used the move the Iron Claw one more time. What was it like to get to use that move in this city again? Shoot. It was great. You know, I mean, the WWE put on a great show and, you know, a lot of people may get it wrong and think that I had any hard feelings about about WWE, but to tell the truth, I could only be grateful to Mr. McMahon and the way he had lift wrestling to a higher place and made so many of my, my comrades, my fellow wrestlers, wealthy men. And so I'm, I have nothing but good things to say about Mr. McMahon, really, for how he did wrestling. The reception you got when you came out that night was still pretty electric. Were you pleased with the way the crowd received you back here in Dallas? Yeah, I was. I was. It was Flair was out there walking around a little bit. And so I think that kind of started it. They, people remembered the matches that I'd had with Flair and my brothers had had with him. And it, and it was just a great moment in time. And the people all remember that. And it was like uh, a love affair. We really love our fans and our fans loved us. We we never acted like big shots. We always signed all the autographs we could. And we, you know, there's no way we could get all of them. But as long as the people could see that we were trying do that we never did uh take the easy route we wanted to show our appreciation for fans for being so loyal the nostalgia was real on that monday night in dallas in 2005 for the von erics and for the old sportatorium itself even if there were some things left to be desired at the old venue i'll tell you a kind of funny story about it but uh we had six cats that are bill bill hines was our was our maintenance engineer down there and he had six cats to keep the rats out you know we had rats there right next to that river you know and uh, there were rats and they did a pretty good job but bill uh my little brother had a ferret a, a pet ferret you know there's a weasel is what they are and he gave it to bill and that ferret was so good at killing rats that they could they got rid of the cats and that ferret got every rat out of that building. But the thing is, once it gets with its zone of the rats, it follows them. So we lost our ferret, too. But they're hunters. But boy, he was sure did a, a much better job than a cat did. The wiring looked like it had been put in in the 1920s, which I know it hadn't been. But some of it was flat, exposed wires. I laughed with a, the Arlington fire chief at the time, who was a friend. And I said, what you need to do is this. Get your people that are candidates, or, or rather, for code enforcement candidates, you send them over there, and if they come back and they can't find a violation of every single code, they're not hired. <laughs> One of the things that drew Pierce into wrestling was the ability to flex his creative mind, creating storylines that impacted people emotionally just as much as any other entertainment medium. Let me make an observation. People say, oh, it's fake and all that. Think about it. You go to a movie. What you see is, is on the screen isn't real, but it can in involve you emotionally. And, and affect you the same with a, a, a live production of stage. But there's that demarcation of the, of, the, of the stage front that separates you. And notwithstanding the fact that clearly those people are actors, the audience can be very affected. Done right, wrestling can do the same thing and has done the same thing with people absolutely crying their eyes out because something was so unfair. But it has to be done right. If it's, if it's not done right, it's just silly and cartoonish. And I did my best to do it right. I have a lot of great memories. So one of the, one thing is the great wrestlers that came through back then. We, I remember Big John Studd. I loved to wrestle that guy. And King Kong Bundy. 
And uh, of course, Harley Race and Ric Flair and Jack Briscoe was a good champion too. You know, they were all down there. We had pretty much all the champions came to the Sportatorium. So uh, that gave it that, that, that ring to it, you know, that feel like it was a real great building. And all, it was really just an old tin barn. While Pearson oversaw the wrestling side of the business, he was also still involved when the Beastie Boys performed at the Sportatorium in 1992. Why does that concert stand out in the history of Dallas concerts? Because the fans decided to make a mosh pit around the area where the performers were, which was the ring. When they did, the floor collapsed. <laughs> so that, that was a problem for pretty much ended concerts of that nature at the Sportatorium. Was that the last major concert that it ever hosted? Yes. We had some religious groups that would have like choir performances, that sort of stuff. But in terms of a big crowd you know, concerts, that was that was it. That that was that wrote the sayonara on that particular problem. What made you end your time there at the Sportatorium? I couldn't afford it. Essentially, I was going broke. I was trying to run a law practice. I was trying to run the wrestling. And there just wasn't enough of me. I miss it terribly, but I'm so grateful that I had that time. I met a lot of wonderful people. I enjoyed it probably far more than I should have. I thoroughly enjoyed creating these worlds and having people go go with them. After more than 60 years as a wrestling and music venue in Dallas, the Sportatorium closed for good in 1998. It was torn down five years later. The movie Iron Claw, about the Von Erichs, comes out December 22nd. I'm Chris Blake at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. Thanks for joining me for Texas Wants to Know. If you like the show, please give us a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I wrote and produced this episode with audio editing by Brie Flores, editorial support from Cooper Mall, and original music by Michael Eisenstein. Odyssey's managing producer of national news podcasts is Myron Kaplan. 